these are two words. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give the introduction. Tyson's figuring out the audio here. So this morning for Sunday School, we're kind of breaking with our normal pattern. Uh, and rather than working through the confession as we have been, we have a visiting missionary, uh, someone I've known a little bit from a distance for many years because he's often been on the mission field. Um, Michael and Jessica Richardson are out. Michael has some roots in Landmark and also from, uh, from the States. Uh, Jessica's from Washington State, and they have uh, dedicated their lives to missions and to the advance of the gospel and to evangelism uh, and to missions in some tough places. And Michael's always uh, been interesting and energetic in the way he's reported. As a couple, they have been involved in uh, many different things, many different places around the globe. Uh, and there's been some changes to their ministry. What? How long have you been in Missouri now? About four, three years? Okay. See, usually if I say four or five years, that means about 18 or 20. So I, I guess long. So that's good. So we're going to give this time uh, to hear a report on the ministry that they are doing. Um, and this serves also as a reminder for us as a church to keep missions uh, and to keep uh, evangelism uh, and thinking of in terms of global scope rather than just our own setting here. Um, so keep that in mind, too, as Michael shares what, what they've been up to, and I'm going to hand the rest of our Sunday school time uh, to them, and uh, happy to hear what the Lord is doing. So come on up. If it's broken, it's providential, then I'll have to yell while we're preaching this morning. Apologies, <laughs> Don. Can All I right. pray with you before we start? Yes, please. Father God, thank you for Michael and Jessica. I want to thank you for uh, the incredible life of sacrifice and the giving of themselves uh, that has marked their ministry and their marriage and their family life. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you for the way you've used them in all kinds of different settings and all kinds of different ministry opportunities. And I pray that uh, Michael would, would bless us and that we can be a blessing to him and to Jessica uh, as they share what you are doing through them in their ministry. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. And we give this time into your hands. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that introduction, though it sets the bar a little high. You'll have to uh, decide for yourselves how energetic I am in uh, what I share. Um, as I was talking, we were talking with Don and Val last night and just trying to get a feel for, okay, who will be here? And there's some of you, like Matt and Don, that have known me since, uh, well, for a long time because mom is from, from Landmark and uh, they are missionaries. And so they would even see me coming back and tagging along as mom and dad were giving missionary reports. And uh, then there are some uh, that don't know me at all. And so for those of you who don't know me, I thought I would just give a very brief background of how Jessica and I got involved in missions. And so I was born in Colombia, and uh, where mom and dad have served since 1970 among the Puinave people, and so I grew up seeing the need for taking the gospel to people that hadn't heard before, and uh, I don't remember a time when I didn't see that as a, as a tremendous need and as something that I was worthy of giving my life for, and just, hey, I want to give my life to, to this uh, sharing the gospel, and so that's where I'm from. Um, my wife is from the state of Washington in the United States, and we met in uh, Bible school, 
at uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Um, and uh, we are part of an organization called Ethnos Canada. We're in the United States, Ethnos 360, and many are familiar with New Tribes Mission, which is, was for 75 years uh, before deciding to change uh, the name. Um, it wasn't new anymore. Uh, it, tribes wasn't so much a, a way of referring to the people groups that we work with. And then in many places in the world, uh, we don't go as missionaries. And uh, even other places, um, that carries a lot of baggage with us. And so uh, changed the name and became Ethnos. My wife and I first served in Venezuela. We went there in 2001 and uh, did a, a variety of work. Unfortunately, the government there became very antagonistic, both against uh, the West, United States in particular, and the, uh, the evangelical church. And so we had to leave Venezuela, and the Lord led us to Mozambique. Um, and in 2007, we moved there. You see that my kids are growing. We had three by that point. Emily had been born in Venezuela. And uh, we started work in Mozambique. As we got into Mozambique, um, my organization asked if I would take on a specific role. And that is, what's the first thing a missionary needs to do when they arrive on a country? Learn a language, Right? There is a wall of noise that we, we, we say that confronts you. You're not able to interact with people. You're not able to have relationship with them. And of course, you're not able to share the gospel without being able to communicate. And uh, how many of you speak more than one language? That's fantastic. I asked that question in the U.S. and it, it's far, far fewer. Three or four? Okay. For some people, learning a language is a bit intimidating. And so we have found, especially when it's not only learning a language that many other people have learned, where there are tools like a dictionary, like a grammar, um, it is very helpful to have someone come alongside and help them do that. Because if you come, if you feel the challenge to missions, and I assume everyone is familiar with, I mean, why do we do missions, right? The Great Commission is very clear. As Jesus got to the end of his ministry here on earth, he gave his 12 disciples and the rest of his followers a great commission. I mean, go and take this good news, this gospel that I've given you, and take it to the ends of the earth. Take it to every people, every language, every nation. And so it's very clear what we as a church should be about. We are about taking this good news that should be transforming our lives and taking it to people that need that same life transformation. And so in that process, when you arrive, you need to learn another language. A lot of missionaries, if they arrive to the field and they have a hard time with that first step, it's easy for them to lose the vision of, okay, how clearly will I be able to communicate the gospel? Because you're very much in a position of weakness when you get to the mission field. Here, I can stand up in front of people and talk in a fairly coherent manner. Such that Matt even gives me compliments like, okay, I'm, I'm energetically presenting what God has laid on my heart. Well, I go to another country like Mozambique and I start sharing in Portuguese in a way that tries to connect with my African audience. And you know what? I, I don't sound near as good. 
It doesn't come across as clear. Now, I believe that God has that as a purpose, as a reason. And what God uses weakness. Not very often does he use our strength. In fact, Don was talking just last night, right? That without him, we can do nothing. And how easy it is to forget that. I, I'd like to think that I can bring something, that I've got something to offer God. And man, we've got to remember, without him, I can do nothing. Well, guess what? You want to be reminded of that? Be a missionary. Come join me. You get to the field and you hit that wall of noise and you're not able to communicate this incredible message as clearly as you'd like and you realize, God, without you, I can do nothing. Okay? But then there are practical things that God gives us as far as tools for how do we go about crossing this wall of noise or breaking through this wall of noise. And they asked if I would become what we would call in our organization a language consultant. Um, someone who comes alongside fellow missionaries who are learning a language and encourages them and helps them see, okay, where are you at? How well are you communicating? What are the things that are going good? What are the things that are just leaving you discouraged and feeling like, man, I am just not making any progress? And being able to help understand, okay, what's going on, right? I, I would imagine that in every industry you've got people like this. If, if you've got chickens and they're not laying good eggs, it, it's helpful sometimes to have somebody come in and help you figure out what's going on. If your wheat isn't growing properly, okay, what's happening? What, what do I need? That's y'all's ex- areas of expertise and I'm sure many other uh, things that God has called you to. But I come alongside of missionaries who are in that first stage of learning language. And for our organization, it's actually usually twice. Mozambique, you go and the national language is Portuguese. But that is a language that, uh, well, it's becoming a first language for a few, but for most Africans, Portuguese is not their first language. And so they've got a mother tongue. And it's a tongue that speaks to them much more clearly. And so we want to learn that heart language of the people if we really want to take the gospel to those people groups that still need to hear. You see, the gospel is there in Mozambique. Um, In 2015, more and more missionaries were arriving in Tanzania, and my wife and I ended up moving up there. And uh, we got another chance to to learn a language. Uh, The national language there is Swahili. And so, okay, here we go. Uh, It was Spanish in in Venezuela, Portuguese in Mozambique. Now we're learning Swahili, Um, an opportunity to put into practice what I'm encouraging others with. And uh, along the way, we had um, started using what we call the growing participator approach. And that really emphasizes not so much language learning. We talk about it's not a language to be learned. It's a life to be lived. Okay? It's about doing life with people. We don't do language, we do people. But guess what? People talk a lot. And so language is key, but with a purpose. It's for relationship. It's for communication. It's for taking this message and getting it into making a difference in people's lives. And so um, we were using the growing participator approach. And I've shared a little bit before of, of how... 
we um, started learning that in 2009. Jessica and I went to a course in Egypt. And then uh, I've just slowly, I went back. They say, come back again. And I totally encourage everybody that goes to that course. It's about two weeks. And it's got at least a month's worth of material packed into that. And so come back again and lead a table. And we would lead table groups and uh, understand it more deeply. Go put it into practice and, and come back again. And I've gotten very involved in these courses. These courses are for training language coaches or what we call encouragers of fellow growing redemptive participators. We're learning to participate in host people's lives, in this case, the, the people of Tanzania, through Swahili. And so learning how to do that and communicate well and effectively. And so I've gotten more and more involved in that. But again, we're not just learning these languages of wider communication. We're also, our focus is among least reached peoples, these people groups that for often where they live, geographically distant from the current church, from the, the, the message of the gospel, but then linguistically different. They speak their own language. And in that language, they do not have a translation of the Bible yet. They do not have a church where they can go and hear the message of the gospel. And so our organization really focuses on taking the gospel to those people groups. And so that means learning one more language. And so I go not only and help people learn that first language, but as they move into a village, learn a minority language. And so I was uh, making a, a trip like that uh, in 2020. Um, it's down a, a, a beautiful long lake. It's actually, uh, you can see it on most maps of the whole world. It's that kind of lake. Lake Winnipeg is, is kind of like that, right? It's a little narrower, but probably about as long. And uh, it, it looks like a beautiful lake of peace and quiet, right? You've been out on a lake like that. If you turn around, this is, this is the boat I'm in. So there was lots going on, lots of people. And lots of us were headed out. These people just up and down this lake as a part of travel, trade, going out to town to get supplies, uh, but lived in small villages along this lake. And I was going in to visit this family, Neil and Rochelle Canary and their, their son Micah. And they had moved in among the Kisi people and were starting to learn uh, the Kisi language. And uh, I wanted to go in, needed to go in and encourage them and help them. And uh, so that's my job, going in and coming alongside missionaries that are learning language, that are learning culture, and encouraging them, giving them the tools, helping them see where am I at and what do I need to do next? What are the things that I need to be doing to be growing in that? While we were out, or while I was there, uh, well, 2020 was when I, this trip was happening. This was in March of 2020. And what happened March of 2020? The pandemic was really getting going. And the world was in great confusion, not knowing exactly how bad this thing was going to be. And uh, Tanzania was very much in that, trying to figure out, okay, what do we need to do? And so they announced, okay, we're going to close our schools. Well, this village where we were ha had a lot of students. And so all of a sudden, we went from a boat that, that that picture was the first going in. Going back out, it was much more crowded. 
There were more people trying to, to travel. And I was able to get a hold of my wife. Um, it was through God's grace that I was able to make a phone call from out of that village because the cell signal has to bounce down what had taken us eight hours by boat to travel. And uh, was able to call her and we realized, hey, you know what, we need to leave Tanzania. Um, and so in 2019, a year before, we had already lost our regular work permits. Um, it's becoming more and more challenging for missionaries to gain entrance to the places where these least pe reached peoples are. And so we already said, hey, we had to leave Venezuela. Well, we lost our work permits to live in Tanzania. And we were on temporary permit so that when COVID hit, we were no longer able to leave the country every 90 days to renew these temporary permits. And so in March of 2020, um, we headed back. Uh, we had to leave Tanzania. And so by then, our older two uh, kids had already graduated um, from high school. And our oldest had gotten married. And so it was just our youngest, Emily, who was with us. And the Lord led us uh, to, to relocate to Missouri. And so we moved to Missouri. And I have to say it was hard for me. I grew up on the mission field. That was a big part of my identity. I, I'm a missionary and I live in other countries and that's the work that I do. And then for God to say, no, actually, you're, you're moving back to Missouri. That, well, I'm glad that I had no choice in the matter. Otherwise, I might have resisted God's direction. And uh, God just very clearly and said, okay, that, that's where you need to be right now. And so as we transitioned back, it, it was quite, a, quite hard for me to accept, okay, God is, is relocating us, and what does he have for us? What is our ongoing role? And um, I, I realized, hey, this is an opportunity to get more involved in the growing participator approach movement in helping others, um, because GPA is not only used um, by some parts of ethnos, um, but also by other organizations. And so the training courses that we put on are actually for a lot of different companies, a lot of different organizations. Quick question, is this being recorded, broadcast, anything like that? It is. Okay. All right. Okay. I just... There's places where I work where I have to be careful what I say. And if you want over uh, potluck, I can explain in more detail. Um, but uh, we were able in, in 2022 to put on another one of these courses. The last one had been in February of 2020, uh, right before we left Tanzania in Egypt. And uh, one of my fellow leaders had stayed a few weeks after the course and ended up getting stuck in Egypt for six months had not been able to leave because of the, the, the restrictions in travel back then. By God's grace, we were able to get out. We left Tanzania on, I believe, the third to the last flight with Qatar Airways. Jessica had first bought tickets with Emirates, and they had stopped traveling. The ticket she bought was for a flight that would not happen. And by God's grace, she had heard on the news that they may be stopping sooner, and was able to cancel the first ticket she bought, buy other ones. And so it was just by the skin of our teeth that we got out of Tanzania and, and, and back to the U.S. But then we're, the need continues. I mean, it's changed, but there are still missionaries out there learning language and culture. 
and they're still needing encouragement, and thus there's still a need for these, these trainers to be going and, and sharing, um, coming alongside people. And so they need training, and so these courses were, were essential. And so the very first one that we could figure out to put together was actually in Missouri at a camp that had, I mean, very limited restrictions. It was rural enough that they have actually did not close down at all um, through this whole pandemic. They were able to continue um, having kids come. And uh, by God's grace, uh, not the case for everyone. And so they were open to having people come from all over the world and have this course. And uh, at this course, uh, people came from every continent but Antarctica. Um, this is the kind of course it is. It's very much an international course. This was the first one held in the United States because it's a field course. It's made for missionaries that are out on the field working with teams that are on the ground. This isn't just a pre-field training. This is a training for people that are actually doing this and putting this into practice. And yet Missouri seemed like the place where we could most easily have it. There were still restrictions in Thailand where we often have this course. Um, similarly in Egypt uh, where we often have it. And so God led us to, to, to that. From there I roomed with somebody who was working in South Asia and uh, he had talked about his team, was trying to use the growing participator approach, but didn't understand it very well and was finding it frustrating and said, hey, could you come and help my team really understand this, that I've got this training, but di he didn't feel like he would be able to communicate it clearly enough. There's a course, a one-week course that I often help uh, give. And so he said, hey, would you come co-teach that with me? And so I flew into South Asia South Asia has a lot of smog, uh, and so it's, it's, yeah, pretty challenging place to go and live and work. I come back, uh, of course, Canada with all the wildfires is, is, is similar in some ways, um, but unfortunately, Asia deals with this on uh, just a, a, a more normal scale, um, more normally. This particular city is often within the top five worst um, polluted cities in the world. And yet so many people that um, need to hear the gospel within this country. Um, the smoke did clear a bit, smog did, and some uh, beautiful mountains in the background. But I went to give this course not only for missionaries, but for local people who were helping missionaries learn. And uh, there was a group of them that spoke English well enough that we gave this course in English. And so I was starting to get out again. And do what God has really called me to do. Um, things started opening up. And at first, with a COVID test between every international flight, um, I started traveling. And uh, God allowed us uh, to get back in uh, to Mozambique. Um, God was raising up uh, another team. Uh, this is a South African couple, Aubrey and Taryn Lawrence. And uh, they and their two kids had come from South Africa uh, to Mozambique and had started learning Portuguese. They were partnering with uh, two other single ladies, a Brazilian, uh, Veronice, and uh, Rachel. Um, and uh, this team has the, the, the desire to take the gospel into the Tawara people. Um, Mozambique, we did survey to figure out, okay, what are the least reached peoples? And uh, 
the Tawara people were unreached, but they were next to the border with Zimbabwe where a church plant was going on. And we thought, hey, we would really love to work with that church plant that's already happening among the Tawara and, or among the, the, in, in Zimbabwe to reach the Tawara people. But as the years passed, it was just taking a long time and we realized, hey, you know what? It will be beneficial for us to put a team. We're going to partner with that church plant, but it would be good to put a, a team in the Mozambican side to work with Tawara. And so by God's grace, um, this team is preparing. They're still studying the national language of Portuguese. Now, wait a second. Veronese is from Brazil. Isn't that Portuguese? Yes, that's Portuguese. You know what? In some ways, it's even harder for her. Why would that be? Well, her Portuguese represents a Brazilian world. Her life in Brazil, it, all the words that she uses are rich in meaning, but out of the Brazilian context. And now she's in Mozambique, and guess what? It's a very, very different context. And so the same words that she is used to using have a very, very different meaning in the, 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 the lives of the people in Mozambique. So as Rachel comes in and doesn't speak any Portuguese, it's really easy for the Mozambicans to see, well, you need to learn. You can't hardly communicate, right? And of course, with the words comes, how is the life? What is the life that's going on that gives meaning to those words? And so she's learning both at the same time. Well, with Veronice, she comes in and she speaks Portuguese better than the Mozambicans do. Because for her, it's her mother tongue. And yet somehow she has to realize, wait a second, what they're saying when they talk about family, when they talk about love, when they talk about faith, wow, it looks very, very different in the African context. How are they thinking about those things? And so she has to convince the Mozambican people that really she has to learn a lot first. And so that is that team. We were in touch with both of them via WhatsApp this last week. That's how we do a lot of our work. Here from Landmark, I continue doing my work of coming alongside and encouraging people there in Mozambique because of the communication that we have nowadays. It's amazing. And uh, they just moved um, into the city that is closest to the Tawara people and uh, are... are putting themselves under a local church to be, we call it hosting, hosted by that church, because that is the church that is closest, or it's actually a whole group of churches. We're partnering with, or looking to partner with a whole group of churches in Tet City to then reach the Tawara, because the, those are the churches that as a church is born among the Tawara people, that's the connection that they will have. That is the city where they may go for supplies, where businessmen go to get get what they need, and while they're there, man, we want a new church to connect with a more mature church. They're in Mozambique. And so as we go to reach the Tawara people, we want to connect with that church that is closest to them. And so that is a key part of how do we take the gospel to these least-reached peoples. Not only are we willing to go and learn their language, but we want to partner with the African church in that process. And so I work with this team in that. Also got to go back to Tanzania and work with a, a, a group there. And it's really exciting to see what God is doing. Again, as we partner with um, the local church, 
this picture I was actually at our training center in Missouri sharing with missionary candidates what God is doing and our heart to not just take the gospel to the least reached, but do it in partnership with the local church. Now, how do we do that practically? Well, one of the things that we have found essential for a church to be born and grow towards maturity among the least reached people is for them to understand this message, right? But to understand it from Genesis to Revelation, and it takes a long time to read it, never mind to teach this whole thing. And so to have a way of saying, okay, what is God's overall plan from Genesis to Revelation, from eternity past to eternity future? How do you put that all together to see, okay, how does the rest then fit into that? When you've got a framework that really lets you see what is God's plan from beginning to end and that He is sovereignly in control of that whole plan, where do we fit in? Where are we living within the history of God's big plan? Man, that makes sense in so many ways and sets things up. It just clarifies so much. Next picture. Hence, milele hata milele. I don't know if you have any Swahili speakers. That's eternity to eternity. A curriculum that we have developed. That is uh, what we will work as we do church planting among the least reached people. But we realized, hey, you know what? Getting this into Swahili is going to be not only a benefit for the missionaries as they go and then put it into another language, but you know what? The churches that we want to partner with they need this, an understanding of God's word from beginning to end. And so this is one of the things that we've been working to develop and then teach. And man, it is really catching on. We have been in Tanzania now for about 13 years. And it was slow going for a long time. Of course, you've got to learn Swahili first. But getting connected, gaining trust, and to see the people that we worked with first now taking it to another, uh, another group and the multiplication and the blessing that this curriculum has been has just been encouraging to me. And I've gotten to be a part of all the missionaries that are a part of translating this and teaching this as they learned language, as they learned Swahili, I was coming alongside of them. And so then to see those that I've worked with now just communicating clearly, wow, what an encouragement that has been. Most recently, Jessica's gotten to start traveling with me as well. Jessica has got some health challenges that makes uh, the long flights and uh, the constantly changing climate, especially the heat now, is pretty challenging for her. And so she's more limited, but she is able to travel with me. Most recently, we just got back uh, two weeks ago um, from South Africa. And there we first met with uh, our leadership team. These are some on the leadership team and then a couple from Mozambique. And uh, what a blessing it's been, again, to see this couple that we've known for many years now saying, hey, you know what? We want to join with you. And they have joined our organization. And it's part-time right now. They do not have the same kind of level of, 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 of churches and individuals who say, hey, you know what? We want to support you financially so that you can work full-time at this work. That is a huge blessing that Jessica and I have. Friends and family are saying, and, and churches saying, hey, we want to financially support you 
so that you can work full-time at what you're doing. The church in Mozambique is still challenged with that. They have a hard time paying their pastors, never mind paying a missionary. And so this couple still works. He's a tradesman. He does construction and particularly uh, bricklaying. And so, and yet with time that he has in between jobs, which means he's just, he's getting less than he normally would, he is giving time to going and traveling to that city in, in, the, in Tet uh, to help those single ladies connect with the church. Lord willing, he will be traveling there in just a couple of weeks to help them connect with churches, churches that he already has gotten to know because he's traveled there two or three times already. And last year, we even we gathered the pastors of Tet and said, hey, would you like to hear what we're, how we're teaching? And we gave them an introduction to that eternity to eternity curriculum and how we use that to go and do church planting among the people uh, like the Tawada where we want to reach. And so what a blessing it was to see them again, to hear uh, their heart, and then to hear them saying, hey, you know what? You guys are going to do things a little differently than we do. Here in Africa, we're going, we travel uh, differently. And we understand that, well, I've traveled that way too. I mean, you saw on the boat, right? I, I get in the boat, I'll climb on the back of the truck. But sometimes if I go somewhere, rather than take two days to get somewhere, I'd catch the hour flight. And it might be a couple hundred dollars more than the bus, but they, that's money well spent in, in, in many circles. For them, they're like, you know what? We need to take the bus because we want our church to be a part of what we're doing. And if we just take the flight, yeah, it might save a lot of time, but then our church is left thinking, how can we help? That is out of our budget. We want to take the bus, and I know that's different. And it was so amazing to hear him say, can, will you let us take the bus? And man, what a heart. What a willingness to sacrifice. What a way to say, hey, we don't want to just do this the easy way or do this a, a Western way. We want to do this in a way that makes sense, in a way that we can do this with our own means. And so pray for us as we look for how do we partner with the African church, letting us learn from them and see how are they doing that. And so pray for us as we do that. Um, it's got a lot of challenges. Like I say, we are blessed to have supporters that support us. But I'm not sure it's going to look the same way there. So how do they get financial support from their churches? And you know what? That can't be just me as a Westerner coming in and saying, this is the way you need to do it. Not at all. It's got to be them. Pray for us as we figure out how to work with those partnerships. And uh, man, it's exciting to see that. From there, uh, Jessica and I went up to the Democratic Republic of Congo. And uh, this is where uh, one of the newest initiatives um, by Ethnos is at. Um, there is a couple um, that is there. They're not in this picture. In this picture is Emily is one of the teammates. And then next to her is Gloria, um, the, the Congolese lady that they are learning Swahili from. And uh, here they have invited us to a Congolese meal. Um, center in the middle is the corn. Um, they just take field corn, grind it up, and boil it until it's a hard lump. Well, actually, they, they carefully form the lumps. And it, it's bland, 
But man, when you dip that into the greens, there's two different kinds of greens here in the front. There's chicken, there's some fried fish in the back. Man, it's, it's really good. And Jessica and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And this was um, not only a great show of hospitality by Gloria to Jessica and I, but a lesson for Emily. This is what African hospitality looks like. You need to learn to cook these things because when you have guests, you need to know how to show hospitality in these ways. Um, and so Emily has gone and then another couple. Um, he is actually originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo. His family fled the unrest and war when he was a teenager. He went, uh, they were able to go to the United States and seek asylum there where he grew up. He speaks English fluently. And he felt God's call on his life to take the gospel to least reached peoples. And as he was going through training, God laid on his heart going back to the Congo and seeing, okay, how can we see the gospel reach the least reached areas of the Congo? And man, what a, what a sacrifice. Going back to the place where he left. So many Congolese, so many Africans would love to get out Go to Europe, go to Canada, go to North America. And when God calls one of them back to take the gospel, what, what an example. And you know what? It's actually quite similar to even the people within the countries where we work. So many times we, we start off learning national languages within the cities. And for somebody that has made it from the village into the city, even if they don't have a great job, man, that is a big step forward in life in progress. For them to go back to the village to take the gospel is hard. And so what an opportunity for this family to show, hey, you know what? It's not about making progress in life. It's not about the next good thing in life. It's about God's word and God's good news. And uh, the verse that came to mind as I was, I was thinking a verse to share is uh, from Galatians chapter 6. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And man, our heart is to see least reached people understanding the good news. And so we don't want to give up. And by God's grace, yes, we're based out of Missouri right now. I'm not sure how long. Um, it's actually been good for us to be there. Our family has needed us in this time. As we came back, our daughter and her husband started having kids, and now we've got two grandkids. Our son got married. Uh, he met the girl in, uh, in Africa, but she is originally from India, and, so, uh, and they are living um, in the Chicago area. Our youngest just uh, graduated from high school a year ago, and uh, it's been good for us to be around our kids as they've transitioned. Um, and then as Jessica is, is figuring out what are the medications she needs to control her diabetes and, and things like that. Um, but God has continued to allow us to serve. And we want to be faithful with what God has for us. And so may we not be weary in doing the good work that God has. I think my time is pretty close to up. I don't see a, a clock at the back, which is pretty dangerous for a speaker, eh? Maybe Matt's got that very purposeful, eh? There's just a couple more minutes. If I don't know if anyone has questions for us. Sometimes I talk about the things that I think, okay, hopefully this will help you know why we are basing out of Missouri and traveling back, but we're still doing the same job.
But sometimes that's not maybe the question you have. So any questions for us? Guess I should have warned you. Matt. Yeah. You know, on this time right now, and it's been before as well, I think a mom coming from this town, and she and her sister Adeline were called as missionaries. And there was a whole a, a group, a generation of people that took, were taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I wonder, man, we've got a bunch of young people here. Where's the next generation? And a call for this next generation. You know what? There's still a place for we from Canada and the North America to take the good news. Yes, we're partnering with the African church. We're partnering with Latin America. You're not going to just be there, us as a, as a team from the, from the West. But man, we need more missionaries. The harvest is ripe. And my challenge is that, you know what, kids aren't going to just go be missionaries on their own. My challenge is to parents and grandparents... Are you hearing your kids hear you pray that God will raise up missionaries and that God will raise up even some of the kids in the family to go and take the good news and go and be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission? Um, there's practical things that uh, can be done. I mean, and, and praying for missionaries... Uh, Letting your kids know, hey, you know what? We give and part of the church budget goes towards supporting missionaries. That is a key part of what God is doing in the world. So informing, letting this next generation know about the need and about how, hey, they can be a part. And then even having conversations with me about, hey, you know what? When you get there, you're not going to be on your own to learn the language. I'll come alongside and help you. If you get there in the next... Ten years, I hope to still be there. Next 15 years, <laughs> go, and I'll help you learn Swahili. Uh, you won't be by yourself. And so there's, a, there's support that you will get. It's not just undoable because I couldn't ever do that on my own. No. God calls ordinary people. Yeah. Other questions?